Chapter 5 of The Children of the Abbey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Children of the Abbey by Regina Maria Roach. Chapter 5 The Blossoms Opening to the Day the dews of heaven refined could naught of purity display to emulate his mind goldsmith after tea amanda asked little betsy to accompany her in a walk for ellen dressed in all her rural finery had gone earlier in the evening to the dance but amanda did not begin her walk with her usual alacrity her bonnet was so heavy and then it made her look so ill that she could not go out till she had made some alterations in it still it would not do a hat was tried on she liked it better and at last set out but not as usual did she pause whenever a new or lovely feature in the landscape struck her view to express her admiration she was often indeed so absorbed in thought as to start when betsy addressed her which was often the case, for little Betsy delighted to have Miss Amanda to trace figures for her in the clouds, and assist her in gathering wild flowers. Scarcely knowing which way they went, Amanda rambled to the village, and feeling herself fatigued, turned into the churchyard to rest upon one of the raised flags. The graves were ornamented with garlands of cut paper interwoven with flowers tributes of love from the village maids to the memory of their departed friends as amanda rested herself she twined a garland of the wild flowers she had gathered with betsy and hung it over the grave of lady malvina her fine eyes raised to heaven as if invoking at that moment the spirit of her mother to regard the vernal offering of her child while her white hands were folded on her heart and she softly exclaimed alas is this the only tribute for me to pay a low murmur as if from voices near startled her at the instant she turned with quickness and saw lord mortimer with a young clergyman half hid by some trees attentively observing her blushing and confused she drew her hat over her face, and catching Betsy's hand, hastened to the cottage. Lord Mortimer had wandered about the skirts of the cottage, in hopes of meeting her in the evening. On seeing the direction she had taken from it, he followed her, and just as she entered the churchyard, unexpectedly met the curate. His company at a moment so propitious for joining Amanda he could well have dispensed with, for he was more anxious than he chose to acknowledge to himself to become acquainted with her. Lord Mortimer was now in the glowing prime of life. His person was strikingly elegant and his manners insinuatingly pleasing. Seducing sweetness dwelt in his smile, and as he pleased, his expressive eyes could sparkle with intelligence or beam with sensibility 
and to the eloquence of his language the harmony of his voice imparted a charm that seldom failed of being irresistible his soul was naturally the seat of every virtue but an elevated rank and splendid fortune had placed him in a situation somewhat inimical to their interests for he had not always strength to resist the strong temptations which surrounded him but though he sometimes wandered from the boundaries of virtue he had never yet entered upon the confines of vice never really injured innocence or done a deed which could wound the bosom of a friend his heart was alive to every noble propensity of nature compassion was one of its strongest feelings and never did his hand refuse obedience to the generous impulse among the various accomplishments he possessed was an exquisite taste for music which with every other talent had been cultivated to the highest degree of possible perfection his spending many years abroad had given him every requisite advantage for improving it the soft melodious voice of amanda would of itself almost have made a conquest of his heart but aided by the charms of her face and person altogether were irresistible he had come into wales on purpose to pay a visit to an old friend in the isle of anglesey he did not mean to stop at tudor hall but within a few miles of it the phaeton in which he travelled from the fineness of the weather was overturned and he severely hurt he procured a hired carriage and proceeded to the hall to put himself into the hands of the good old housekeeper mrs abergwilly who possessing as great a stock of medical knowledge as lady bountiful herself he believed would cure his bruises with as much or rather more expedition than any country surgeon whatever he gave strict orders that his being at the hall should not be mentioned as he did not choose the few days he hoped and believed he should continue there to be disturbed by visits which he knew would be paid if an intimation of his being there was received from an apartment adjoining the music-room he had discovered amanda though scarcely able to move at the first sound of her voice he stole to the door which being a little open gave him an opportunity of seeing her perfectly and nothing but his situation prevented his immediately appearing before her and expressing the admiration she had inspired him with as soon as she departed he sent for the housekeeper to inquire who the beautiful stranger was mrs abergwilly only knew she was a young lady lately come from london to lodge at david edwin's cottage whose wife had entreated permission for her to read in the library which she added she had given seeing that his lordship read in his dressing-room but if he pleased she would send miss dunford word not to come again by no means his lordship said amanda therefore continued her visits as usual little thinking with what critical regard and fond admiration she was observed lord mortimer daily grew better but the purpose for which he had come into wales seemed utterly forgotten he had a tincture of romance in his disposition and availed himself of his recovery to gratify it by taking a lute 
and serenading his lovely cottage girl. He could no longer restrain his impatience to be known to her, and the next day, stealing from his retirement, surprised her as already related. As he could not, without an utter violation of good manners, shake off Howell, he contented himself with following Amanda into the churchyard, where shaded by trees, he and his companion stood watching her unnoticed, till an involuntary exclamation of rapture from his lordship discovered their situation. When she departed, he read the inscription on the tombstone. But from the difference of names, this gave no insight into any connection between her and the person it mentioned. Howell could give no information of either. He was but a young man, lately appointed to the parsonage, and had never seen Amanda till that evening. Lord Mortimer was solicitous even to a degree of anxiety to learn the real situation of Amanda. As Howell, in his pastoral function, had free access to the houses of his parishioners, it occurred to him that he would be an excellent person to discover it. He, therefore, as if from curiosity alone, expressed his wish of knowing who she was, and requested Howell, if convenient, to follow her directly to Edwin's cottage, where he said, by chance, he heard she lodged, and endeavor to find out from the good people everything about her. This request Howell readily complied with. The face, the figure, the melancholy, and above all, the employment of Amanda had interested his sensibility and excited his curiosity. He arrived soon after her at the cottage and found her laughing at her nurse, who was telling her she was certain she would see her a great lady. Amanda rose to retire at his entrance, but he, perceiving her intention, declared if he disturbed her he would immediately depart. She accordingly reseated herself, secretly pleased at doing so, as she thought, either from some look or word of the curate's, she might discover if he really was the person who had serenaded her. From this idea she showed no aversion to enter into conversation with him. The whole family, nurse accepted, had followed Ellen to the dance, and that good woman thought she could do no less for the honor of Howell's visit than prepare a little comfortable supper for him. The benevolence of his disposition and innocent gaiety of his temper had rendered him a great favorite amongst his rustic neighbors, whom he frequently amused with simple ballads and pleasant tales. Amanda and he were left tete-a-tete, while the nurse was busied in preparing her entertainment, and she was soon as much pleased with the elegance and simplicity of his manners as he was with the innocence and sweetness of hers. The objects about them naturally led to rural subjects, and from them to what might almost be termed a dissertation on poetry. This was a theme peculiarly agreeable to Howell, who wooed the pensive muse beneath the sylvan shade. Nor was it less so to Amanda. She was a zealous worshipper of the muses, though diffidence made her conceal her invocations to them, 
she was led to point out the beauties of her favorite authors and the soft sensibility of her voice raised a kind of tender enthusiasm in howells's soul he gazed and listened as if his eye could never be satisfied with seeing or his ear with hearing at this particular request amanda recited the pathetic description of the curate and his lovely daughter from the deserted village a tear stole down her cheek as she proceeded howell softly laid his hand on hers and exclaimed good heavens what an angel come come said amanda smiling at the energy with which he spoke you at least should have nothing to do with flattery flattery repeated he emphatically oh heavens did you but know my sincerity well well cried she wishing to change the subject utter no expression in future which shall make me doubt it to flatter you said he would be impossible since the highest eulogium must be inadequate to your merits again said amanda believe me he replied flattery is a meanness i abhor the expressions you denominate as such proceed from emotions i should condemn myself for want of sensibility if i did not experience the nurse's duck and green peas were now set upon the table but in vain did she press howell to eat his eyes were too well feasted to allow him to attend to his palate finding her entreaties ineffectual in one respect she tried them in another and begged he would sing a favorite old ballad this he at first hesitated to do till amanda from a secret motive of her own joined in the entreaty and the moment she heard his voice she was convinced he was not the person who had been at the outside of her window after his complaisance to her she could not refuse him one song the melodious sounds sunk into his heart he seemed fascinated to the spot nor thought of moving till the nurse gave him a hint for that purpose being afraid of amanda sitting up too late he sighed as he entered his humble dwelling it was perhaps the first sigh he had ever heaved for the narrowness of his fortune yet cried he casting his eyes around in this abode low and humble as it is a soul like amanda's might enjoy felicity the purpose for which lord mortimer sent him to the cottage and lord mortimer himself were forgotten his lordship had engaged howell to sup with him after the performance of his embassy and impatiently awaited his arrival he felt displeased as the hours wore away without bringing him and unable at last to restrain the impetuosity of his feelings proceeded to the parsonage which he entered a few minutes after howell he asked with no great complacency the reason he had not fulfilled his engagement absorbed in one idea howell felt confused agitated and unable to frame any excuse he therefore simply said what in reality was true that he had utterly forgotten it i suppose then exclaimed lord mortimer in a ruffled voice you have been very agreeably entertained 
Delightfully, said Howell. Lord Mortimer grew more displeased, but his anger was now leveled against himself as well as Howell. He repented and regretted the folly which had thrown Howell in the way of such temptation, and had perhaps raised a rival to himself. Well, cried he, after a few hasty paces about the room, and pray what do you know about Miss Dunford? About her? repeated Howell, as if starting from a reverie. Why, nothing. Nothing? re-echoed his lordship. No, replied Howell, except that she is an angel. Lord Mortimer was now thoroughly convinced all was over with the poor parson, and resolved in consequence of his conviction to lose no time himself. He could not depart without inquiring how the evening had been spent, and envied Howell the happy minutes he had so eloquently described. End of chapter 5 Recording by John Brandon